They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, Mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. Hi everyone and welcome to Doing The Nasty Podcast. This is season two, episode number 29. I'm one of your hosts, Duncan McLeish. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Joining me as always on season two, working through the real dregs. <laughs> so, this is the the very definition of a bottom of the barrel scraping episode is uh, my, my good friend, my compadre, and I'm going to just say Stockholm Syndrome potential acquisition I, I think you may be fully <laughs> embracing stock but we're going to get to why that is after the the very puzzling message that you sent me yesterday where you're like i've got a great idea and i was like mark this is a terrible idea and <laughs> one of the movies on this show will be a stark reminder of why it's a terrible idea mark ball how you doing sir Good, good morning, perverts. Uh, yes, I, I did send you a message yesterday that like uh, it's kind, it's kind of like uh, when, when I spent a weekend in county jail and you don't really know when you're gonna get out, mm. and they they tell you like don't pack up your shit and don't like don't plan on being out at a certain time because guarantee like Murphy's Law kind of thing you won't. Yeah, uh, yeah. Got got halfway into a. Not even halfway. Got half an hour into a Just Franco movie about 24 hours ago. I was like, you know what? I'm feeling great. This mm-hmm. movie's weird as fuck. Yep. I don't know where it's going. Every single one of Just Franco's movies are all bizarre and have nothing in common with each other. And so, yeah, I messaged you. I was like, you know, I think an interesting thing for like when we're at a video nasties would just to be to go through all of Just Franco's movies. It'd keep us busy. He directed what? 300 fucking movies or so yeah before he um, fully committed to softcore and marginally hardcore porn towards the end yeah, of his career yeah <laughs> we, we, don't, we don't have to do the porno ones for sure but no but by the time i got <clears throat> to the end of uh oasis of the zombies I, I i thought better of this idea and i was like you know what i uh i don't i don't think i can do it i don't, I don't think i'd survive watching yeah this is nothing even, but this jess is, franco movies this isn't even the worst <laughs> jess franco movies this is kind of mid-rung jess franco um i'd like it's, it's kind of that way where like i wanted i i had like a message written back and I was like, I, I wasn't, I, I wasn't sure had you watched the movie yet or not. So I was like, we'll chat about it tomorrow. But it's kind of that way. I can, like, it's like that way we want to give like, like a warning signal or tell someone to abort the mission <laughs> if they were, you know, like the same sentence came it something along the lines of you know, like that. You know that Roman Polanski seems like a really stand-up dude. I've watched that movie, <laughs> Rosemary's Baby. Seems like a really great director. I think that I, I'm going to model myself after him and the person in the background is going, to, eh, no, don't fucking do it. Um, yeah, like the movie, yeah, the movie we're going to be discussing today, Oasis of the Zombies, is, um, is painfully boring. It's like a, yeah. a dull, dull, dull movie. And if if you will believe the rumour uh, that circles on the, on the old cinephile pages online, this is like this is he checked out Jess Franco. He did not give a fuck about this movie at all, and it kind of shows. 
at kind of shows and we'll, we'll, we'll get into I was going to say we'll get into everything the movie has to offer which really isn't a lot this is like yeah. a meandering movie it just like nowadays with a bit of careful artistic cinematography and a bonkers <laughs> last 10 minutes this could be an A24 movie um, but you know like in this confine in this space it's just dull it's just dull yeah. We're going to be doing that one, and we're going to be coupling up with a movie I had seen before, uh, but not in many years, called The Evil, um, which, I'm going to be honest, isn't a great movie either, but... Another kind of dull movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like a, a relatively nondescript movie. However, however, a dog does commit suicide in this movie by taking out someone else, which is kind of Yeah, amazing. it does. <laughs> yeah, he really commits to the role. He saw how bad the movie was, and he's like, "We're getting out of here." And to, that, <laughs> to that person with him, um, yeah, like the evil to me is just a prime example of what happens when you run out of ideas for a haunted house movie. So everyone, every second person dies of bad wiring in the house. It's like about seven deaths by electrocution. But this um, happened more than the average movie. Yeah, like I'm thinking, it's a haunted house movie. Is this the only way you can think of killing people? Like, like, it's just like bad wiring. Um, so the prequel to Shocker. It is like, like, Shocker, like, Shocker is what the movie should be, but we're in the wrong decade, so we're not quite there. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to be doing the evil, and we're going to be doing Oasis of the Zombies. I'm going to be honest with you, Mark. Next episode has a relatively, I'm going to say, it doesn't look great. Uh, it, no, might be, okay. it, looks, it looks campy. But it is twinned up with a movie that is a bona fide fucking classic. So Alright, alright, good. We'll so, be back on track in uh J- July. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, kinda end of this month actually, because we're slightly behind on this month, mostly because, I'll be honest with you, couldn't be bothered. Um like I got to that stage where I was like, we were I think we were supposed to record last week and I was just looking for an out. Because uh, I had seen Oasis of the Zombies and I just could not be ass talking about it. Um, and yeah, given that week now, I've, I've kind of perked myself back up and got myself in the mood. Uh, before we get to chatting about the movies, and I will be honest, ladies and gents, this ain't going to be a long episode. Um, before we get into this, though, how are tricks with you, Mark, now that you are a, wait one second, live musician? Um... That's right, I said it, I said it, put it out there. You, you've now uh, performed live in front of people and maintained all your clothes on you, which, by the way, is not how you get good money. You, you need to show a little bit of nip, a little nip slip, and you get a, a crisp $1 bill slid down your G-string. I believe that's how that goes. I, I, I did get paid $40 to play music on a stage and not take off my clothes, thankfully. I, I think you got paid more than I got paid. Like, for your first gig, I think you made more money than I made the first three years I was in a band. So, <laughs> Well, just for inflation also, I mean... Uh, also consider that we drove four hours to get to this fucking oh, venue shit, right. each, each way, so the $40 <laughs> didn't even cover the fucking gas in the back and forth, but it's, it's all good. I, I, I went out to play, I got to hang out with, with my friend Brandon and see his, his crazy little band play, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, getting up on stage and playing music for people is fucking terrifying, turns I, out. It's, it's terrifying. I think it isn't, isn't at the same time. I think if you're a frontman which i was 
And I don't know if you know this about me, Mark. I'm I'm predisposed to talk a lot. Um, <laughs> don't know what that is. Um, to me, it was relatively easy. I found that aspect probably. I found that bit easier than the actual having to sit in practice rooms writing music. Um, even though, like, I, I come from like a, a kind of heavy musical background, I always found the live thing relatively easy. That being said, though, um, I. I know that one time my band played and the essentially the the, the mic cut out, um, and you know like we'll just like continue playing the band and uh, you know well the band continue playing anyway. I remember speaking to the the bass player afterwards, who then told me that as soon as the focal point, being myself, was kind of removed from that, he kind of froze. Um, like when I was doing my thing at the front and you know attention's on the band but it primarily goes in the front man Um, like he could do whatever he wanted he didn't feel like there was eyes on him but as soon as my mic stopped working and I was trying to work it while it wasn't working he was very aware that everyone was looking at him Um, (laughs) and he was just like oh shit (laughs) I gotta poop Um, so you know I think I don't know like, like the stuff you're doing is like all attention is on you and just you so yeah. and I that'll that'll shift. You've got the heart the hardest one's your first performance. But like um once that kinda goes, it gets a lot easier because you know what to expect. Uh, and anything that is unexpected is it with your control. So you might as well enjoy it. Yeah. It, it it was a really good learning experience. Like I really had I, I I told the guy that was doing sound like beforehand, I was like uh, I haven't tested any of this shit in any live capacity whatsoever, so I'm hoping like it doesn't all just burst into flames as soon as we like plug into the fucking PA or whatever. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. I guess 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 it's a good thing you're playing here for your first show. I think I think there was like ten people in the audience, and eight of them were with other bands that were playing that night. So I mean, I don't know what there, there wasn't really like a whole lot of pressure, but. No, it, it went really good for the most part. Thankfully, most, uh, like you said, I, I am like a solo electronic act. So most of the set is pre-recorded. Uh, if I fuck up like too horribly, all I really got to do is just like stop playing for a little bit and like figure out where I'm at in the set. And, you know, like 90 per yeah. all of it, except for like a couple leads or a couple bass lines or whatever. The, the, the show will go on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it wasn't. And I and I kind of figured out like what worked and what didn't. Uh, thankfully, like right after the show, my friend Nick sold me an Ableton Push Two. Oh yeah, which is like yeah, super fucking. This is a Cadillac of fucking MIDI controllers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's gonna solve a bunch of my problems. The next show is actually in like six days in Billings, Montana. It's fucking next Saturday, so. Yeah, probably when we get done to recording here, I'm gonna get a few chores done and uh, start start. You know, you do got to get the practice in. You got you got to run through it so many times that like eventually the music is just like I don't even remember writing this. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how this song goes. I just want to delete all of it and start over again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that that that's kind of a route with that. But I was actually like really shocked how many people bought and listened to the new album, which is on Bandcamp. Never be shocked. I have no idea. Smart. Come on. I'm 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 used to the SoundCloud thing where like getting anybody to fucking listen to any of it was like pulling fucking teeth, yeah. and I don't know what changed between. Well, I think the, I, mean, the, I think the Bandcamp thing is a big like and the. 
like in the past it was difficult to always identify whether or not you were actually supporting the artist or you were supporting the platform if you know what i mean whereas right. like with bandcamp specifically dedicating days to you know the artist themselves as opposed to the platform in which it's on i think opens the door for a lot more people to feel like they are actually supporting an artist as opposed to, like I say, supporting a platform. Like I, I, one of the big reasons I moved away, even from podcast hosting on SoundCloud, was it was kind of a black box. There was never really any degree of transparency as to anything that was going on in it. Like there was no way to track trends. There was no way to like even delve into analytics in any way, shape, or form, which would give any anything like that. And like, if you want to sit down and parse some things to see. Well, what was it people like? What do they not like? You know, all, all those sort of things. Just even from a podcast medium, it was it was next to impossible. I think Bandcamp and you know even platforms that just allow you to put your stuff out for streaming purposes without having to go through SoundCloud. Kind of sure. Um, you know, I, I think it's just easier now. I think like also the text different. Like people are just people are now just used to wanting to be able to just publish stuff and have have it out there and people to check it out and get in, get in touch and feedback whereas when you were doing music before you could still kind of do that but it always kind of felt like you, like as soon as you picked a platform you were limiting your audience um i don't think that's the case nowadays that's a it's a lot of work getting your stuff or at least it used to be you know it was it was six years ago was the last time i released any music prior mm. to this one and yeah it was all all SoundCloud. I mean, you could still do like, you know, it, it was a lot of work getting your shit on everything. Now I basically, I did the initial release on Bandcamp. Uh, it came out, it came out on my birthday, which was a, a, a good move. Cause a lot of people bought the fucking album as like a birthday present to me, basically like here, here's a couple bucks kind of deal. And then after, I don't know, three or four weeks or however long, uh, I, I just signed up for a DistroKid out, uh, account and it does all of the fucking work for you. It puts it everywhere out into the masses kind of deal. So, um, yeah, it's then it, you're right. Definitely the, the tools to be able to see uh, SoundCloud even back then was fucking shady as far as like. <laughs> Is, are any of these people like that you guys have listed as plays like real people or are these all oh, bots dude, in fucking yeah. Indonesia or dude, like, I used to get so I, shady? The, the the podcast stuff for podcasts under the stairs used to be like like weird. Like one like you would wake up one morning and you would have like a thousand hits on a show overnight. And it'd be like the weird it wouldn't be like something like like the show's covering, I don't know, Halloween or one of these like big fucking named movies where you could be like, I could see maybe an expressed interest of right. like people landing on that that were Googling Halloween or whatever. It would always be the most but it'd be like Mario Bava's rabid dogs. You know, like we were like that. No, no way anyone like a thousand people just suddenly Googled this. And it would always happen on <laughs> it would always happen on fucking SoundCloud. And since I moved platforms, that never happens now. Um, on any anything it's, it's, you can track it relatively easy which makes me wonder how accurate those figures ever were um, and you know that there's, that's that to me is a it can be used as that's a double edged sword you can use it to, to bolster your position by saying look how much interest episodes are getting even the obscure ones are scoring well but at the same time they're not real figures so um, 
So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But it's, it's good to know that you're out there um, and uh, and making making shit happen, dude. That's that is cool as fuck. And um, yeah. I, I'm I'm very much looking forward to uh, hearing back how the second gig went because you know that first one out the way, I expect that you will be slam dancing while your music's playing and rapping like Fred Durst. And if you're not, <laughs> I, I will be upset with you. Um, in terms of movies, you've seen anything in the last month that's uh, piqued your interest, tickled your fancy, so to speak? Um, It's been kind of... It's been a little slow in the movie watching stuff. Uh, I did go see the new Doctor Strange on my birthday, which was a lot of fun. Yep. It was a good, 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 good Sam Raimi movie. It made me fucking go track down a Blu-ray copy. I really wanted to watch Dark Man as soon as I got home <laughs> from the theater from that one. Yeah, and it does have a course, heavy Dark Man element, too, yeah. And, and of course, it's fucking streaming nowhere. That really nice, like, well, it's it's streaming places, but not for free. I, I could have paid four bucks for a movie that I've seen a hundred fucking times at this point, but mm-hmm. don't own a copy of for some dumb reason. The really nice Shout Factory Blu-ray of that is now long out of print. So yeah. I found like kind of a shitty. Uh, you can get the first. You can get the first three movies on kind of a bare bones Blu-ray set off of Amazon for like thirteen or fourteen bucks or something. So I eventually, eventually snagged that one. Uh, yeah, the new new Doctor Strange is a lot of fun if you're if you're a Sam Raimi fan. I don't know how. Like the Marvel normies that aren't familiar with Sam Raimi shit probably reacted <laughs> to this movie. I don't really like who the fuck is this Bruce Campbell it's, guy? It's weird. Like, it's weird because when you think about it, like, like if you are if you're anyone interested in comic book movies, Sam Raimi's one of the reasons that you are in this kind of renaissance just now. Like, like uh, you could argue that th- those. Um, those Spider-Man movies that did, removing the third one from the the history uh, timeline. Like those first two movies are the reason you started getting things like Fantastic Four and more X-Men movies, and you know eventually into your Iron Man's and all the stuff that come after it. So that's that's off the back of that. But those movies aren't necessarily what you would class as a Sam Raimi movie, um, and that's why when you watch the new Doctor Strange movie. It's certainly in there. I found it hugely interesting. I'll be honest, it was a bit... There was a couple of bits that I, I kind of felt like, oh, right, okay. Like, I could see compromise, if you know what I mean, but then this is like a fucking a billion-dollar movie or something like that, so it kind of right. has to be in there. It's not him going like that. No, I want a treat to slap Bruce Campbell in the face, so I'm going to do it because it's, like, low money. You know what I mean? It, it, does, it does have those kind of... That you could you could feel the, the the compromise. The interesting thing about that is he went on and did what a lot of people are saying is probably the most horror laden, you know, Marvel movie to date, anyway. Um, and the previous director, uh, the guy who left the project, which was Scott Derrickson, left that because he said that you know he wasn't getting to do as much of the horror stuff that he wanted to do and he went off and did that upcoming Black Phone movie um, which is a movie he jumped right into doing um, right off that so it's kind of interesting because I'm like that like what did Derrickson want to do? <laughs> he probably wanted to get super super fucking weird with it Marvel got kind of cold feet uh, there, there, was, there was some last minute fuckery too with like all this stuff with Wanda and yeah. the fact that WandaVision the show was supposed to come out I think after this movie uh, so 
I think they had to do, yeah, they had to do a little bit of last minute fuckery with this thing, which uh, Sam Raimi came out and said, like, I didn't even watch all of WandaVision. I watched a couple key episodes (laughs) that, like, related to shit that's in this movie and other than that, like, I didn't fucking didn't bother just, you know, this was kind of a a, a gun for hire kind of thing for Sam Raimi. But, like, I mean, this is this is definitely like his bread and butter, like you said, you know. Oh yeah, like he's a safe parent. Like Sam Raimi, I think people forget how fucking great a director he is. You know what I mean? And and like he's already the 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 best thing about it is he seems to like there seems to be a lot more money now being thrown at him to make stuff. He's already talking about doing uh, a potential Stephen King adaptation and and all the rest. So like Sam Raimi making movies, that makes me happy. So you know, I'm 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 over I'm over the moon with that. so yeah yeah but yeah very much like yourself i know everyone was like oh it's so evil dead it's so evil dead like all i like when i come out that all i was thinking about was dark man um so um so yeah i um i I myself have uh have been partaking in a lot of a24 jesus christ have they just been releasing shitloads of it man it's unfucking believable the content they put out this year is nits um, but I did get a chance to check out that Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is the most on-the-nose name ever for a movie. It is Everything Everywhere All at Once. is absolutely fucking bananas and kind of fucking amazing. Um, I, like, I was, I, I was actually in awe of how well that movie was put together. Um, and then in the last week, I saw the new Alex Garland movie, Men which is like a chef's kiss to me that's like that's a total duncan movie um and then on friday i went to see the new rob rob savage movie he's the guy that did host um oh fucking dash cam yeah dash cam oh oh boy what'd you think of that um so i am conflicted about dash cam in some respects i think on the whole (laughs) i think the the medium of like film footage is something he's very 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 good at i think he's very i think he's found a way to do storytelling that the pace feels a lot quicker than it is now granted host itself was like what a 90 minute movie um so the pace was very quick in that anyway but this one is a bit longer it's about an hour and a half and um, but at no point did it feel like it there was too much downtime it kind of felt like there was that there was that an urgency to the pace all the way through it. It does have maybe the single most irritating main character I've seen in a movie in a long time. That, that like, she she just grated the ever-loving fuck out of me. Every time she opened her mouth, I just hated her. But at the same time, she also had... I don't know, she was maybe the, like, the the horror protagonist that I've kind of wanted to see for a while and that like she t- like <laughs> some of her quips back had me howling with laughter um I, yeah I think it's, it's not as good as host um but I, I found like I'd like when it finished and uh, let's put it this way it's not a top five movie for me this year thus far it's a top 10 though uh, I, I I found there was a couple of moments where i genuinely thought that's really clever i like what it's doing but it's kind of it's got it's got more money against it and it's kind of i don't know at times it felt like the scope was a bit bigger than it necessarily could be but 
it held together surprisingly well. It's, a bit, it's pretty gory. Plus, it's going through its own version of the video nasties over here at the moment. Um, and that no large cinema chain in the UK is releasing it. You can only see it in indies. It was pulled, apparently, um, like a couple of days before its release because of excessive bad language which is a thing i've never fucking heard of before for a movie being pulled uh, from large chains so it's at the moment getting the best amount of press it possibly could very much like a movie like oasis of the zombies again it's like people are hunting down that movie because it's on a banned list or was on a banned list and then you watch it and you're kind of left head scratched how it even like banned for boredom maybe i don't know <laughs> like so yeah um i i thought I, I thought it was he's i'm i'm supremely curious to see if he does another film footage movie that's two right. for two with him and i think he's pushed it a bit as far as he can he's clearly good at the medium um but i don't think it's as flawless a movie as host host is like he's surprisingly well stitched to together movie which cost fuck all uh, this one has budget um and as a result i think it gets a bit bigger than it necessarily should be but and yeah i trust the american to be the most annoying character um in that movie which really is annoying that honestly <laughs> but yeah i take it you've seen it yeah no i have not the the reviews for it have been fucking all over the place i i, I really liked host that was like one of my favorite horror movies of last year the year before whenever that came out yeah uh and then it's pretty much as soon as like i started reading about this one i was like oh this sounds like pretty good and then yeah some people saw it at festivals i don't know within the last six months or so and we're like so the main character is a <laughs> fucking pizzagate anti-vaxxer maga fucking right-wing fucking chud and it's yep. the most grating thing in the fucking world and that really kind of killed she's, a lot of my she's she's really grating but she gets put through the ringer which sometimes yeah it's, 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 sometimes I mean, it yeah, goes back to yeah. the bruce campbell thing the really obnoxious fucking character that kind of gets their comeuppance and we yeah. kind of take pleasure in seeing that yeah like uh, had she been more straight-laced and more sensible the events in the movie wouldn't have happened so you kind of need her to be the way she is in order for things. She is very, very, very funny. Like, I'll admit it that way. There are whole sections in that movie where I wanted to strangle her. And then there were whole sections in the movie where I was like, that's exactly what I would do if I was in your position. Which I don't often get when I watch a horror movie. I'm usually like, that is the dumbest decision on the history. You know, like, there were certain things she did where I was like, all right, cool. Um, the thing that is maybe, and I'm looking forward to seeing it again, um, on the big screen, so it's basically it's like a live stream, um, the dash cam, so it's a lot like a live stream thing, and there's comments right. going up the side, all the way through it, like comments from, oh, not all the way through the movie, because occasionally the camera disconnects, but we're still seeing the film, but like we, you're not, it's not being interacted by the people that would be observing what she does, um, and... I'd like at times I was trying to pay attention to the comments scrolling up the side whilst also watching what was happening on the screen. I found that very distracting on a big screen. I think on a smaller screen it might not, even though the screen in my cinema room is fucking huge. But I think on that level, I think I maybe get to because I think there's a lot of jokes in there that I just didn't get a chance to, you know, or there's there's comments in there that like add to the experience that I just didn't get in the. I, I think it's the thing is I think it's as found footage movies go I think it's a really good one 
I think it's a really, really good one. I just don't necessarily think it's as good as it's, as his previous movie. But then his right. previous movie, I think, worked because we were all in lockdown. Everyone was communicating over Zoom. And the idea of taking a seance and putting it on that platform was something I'd never seen done before. So... Um, it was kind of original that way, where this movie isn't really all that original. Um, but it, like when it lands, it lands well. And there's a couple of good, a couple of really good jump scares and some great practical effects. Like there's like really, really, really good practical effects in it. So yeah, the, yeah. the guy that did oh, practical effects for it did practical effects for um, oh fuck, what do you call it? Uh, Lords of Chaos. Oh, okay, I like that movie a lot. That movie's real fucking bloody. Yeah, he also, by the way, is the same guy who's one of the hosts of the Arrow Video podcast. So, um, Dan Martin. Uh, so, uh, okay. Yeah, so he's, he's really, really, really good at practical effects. Uh, so, yeah, hi. That's that's what I would say about that movie. Is I, I would definitely, definitely check it out. I know in the states just now you can either see it in limited theaters or screen it on demand. So it is available for you in the comfort of your own home. Um, and it's definitely worth checking out. She is like a red hat wearing MAGA anti-vaxxer character. That being said, like I said before, if you take that conceit away from her, the journey that you go on with that character just wouldn't happen in the movie. Or if it did, it wouldn't feel like, oh yeah, this is, the, this is a mess of your own making. So, so there's that as well. I think I think what made the the especially like the the film Twitter dorks really mad about this movie is apparently she is not uh, not so much playing a character in this like she's actually kind of really like this in a sense. She's, I think she is. She's maybe a comedian. I don't know. Like like the conceit of this woman is that she has a live show where she drives around. Um, plays a beat in the background and gets her listeners to send an e-word which she will then wrap around weird uh, and she does a lot of rapping but it inevitably ends up into you know shove it up your butt and you know and there's like there's like a word which I totally love uh, that never gets used enough I think the word queef is used about six times in the movie which I mean that's what I'm saying it's hard to hate a movie that uses the word queef um really really difficult trust me i've tried um so yeah i like she is she, I, and she like the end credits are her rapping out the names of everyone who's involved with the project um which is kind of weird because uh, it turns out blum rhymes with bum um so you can imagine uh, so there we go there we go Mark I, I've been deliberately prolonging the start of this episode because the actual content of this episode is going to be small um, so yeah. we might as well get into it we might as well get our, our Franco out our systems and once again confirm that me and you will not be doing a Franco exclusive podcast <laughs> I couldn't do it if I tried although I, I did have this great idea of of a um, exclusive John Waters podcast I'd be, I'd be into that too. Yep. That'd be a lot shorter for sure. Yeah, but the name of it would be, would be called Taking on Water. <laughs> I think that's like genius on so many levels. And the T- TM motherfuckers yep. don't steal that idea. Yeah, and I, I was, I was sitting. There are moments when I see things or think things to myself, and I'm like that. 
I'm too good for this world. You're like, um, Duncan, you are a genius. I do, literally, think to myself, going, I'm a witty motherfucker. <laughs> and then, and then I see the word queef and giggle to myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you've got it, Duncan. Uh, right, we are going to take a short break just now. You're going to hear learned people explain why you should give a fuck about Oasis of the Zombie. I can't, I can't even think who is going to introduce this one. Could be interesting. Um, however, you will then hear the trailer. And then you will then hear myself and Mark chat about that movie right after this. So here's Oasis of the Zombies by Jess Franco. And it's one of those Franco movies which was everywhere, like a bad rash in video shops up and down the country. Very frustrating for Franco fans who want to try and uh, make a case for Franco as a really interesting director that several of his absolute worst films were absolutely everywhere on the shelves in this country. <laughs> you know, I'm going to do it again, though. Oasis of the Zombies, for all the fact that it's a terrible film, has something. I'm probably blowing all credibility as a commentator on Franco now uh, to say this, but I can I can watch it, and I can watch it more than... I've watched it about four times already, and I'm, I shall probably watch it another four times. There's something there. There's something a little poignant about it. It's as if all the really exciting zombie stuff is happening just over the sand dunes, like just, just like maybe like you know 200 metres down the, down the dunes there's a really exciting zombie film happening and we're just getting the dregs. I mean, Franco was making some really wonderful films around this time. In the early 80s, he was having a real burst of energy and was making maybe, back to making maybe 10, 12 films a year again. Uh, and some of them are fantastic. Uh, this one is a mess because he, just did, he, he doesn't give two hoots about zombie films. Just like with the cannibal movies that he made, he didn't care about those either. He just kind of went along with the prevailing desire uh, for his, uh, from his producers to make these kind of movies and said, okay, well, if you want me to do that, I'll do that. He probably thought, well, in two weeks' time, I've got another movie that they want. So he doesn't have a feel for this, but if you're a Franco watcher and a Franco fan, there are elements and traces there that you can enjoy. I mean, the music, so soporific and so uh, dreamy and half there and half focused. You know when a movie goes out of focus? Well, the sound is doing that. It's like organ music that feels like it's drifting out of audibility almost. It kind of nudges you out of the frame. It's got a lot of the signs and symbols that you would associate with a zombie film, but it's drifting away from them. It's, 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 you, you feel the energy of the film is not taking you in the, direct, in the action-adventure direction that you would get from Romero. Franco can't afford the violence that would take you in the Lucia Fulci direction. All he's left with is ambience and a sort of a desolate sandy, vague, diffused ambience, which if you can tap into that and if you're willing to spend 70 or 80 minutes just soaking that up, fine. Not everyone's going to be happy with that. That's not enough for a lot of people. But if you can get off on that, then Oasis of the Zombies does have some pleasurable aspects to it. Um, it's an interesting one as well because it was shot in two different versions. This one is, I think, the less interesting of the two. The version that we know as Oasis of the Zombies was actually the French cut of the film. About a year or maybe 18 months later, uh, Franco went back to the same locations and shot extra footage with Spanish actors, a couple of Spanish actors, including Lina Romay, his partner, in order to resell the film for the Spanish market. And the Spanish version has a different score and slightly different scenes. The score for the Spanish version is more avant-garde, more bizarre and extreme. And that kind of 
coax you up in your seat a little bit, whereas the music for the French version is, as I say, quite soporific and too dreamy for its own good, really. There aren't very many people out there that would uh, tax themselves by watching the two of them back to back. I've done it. I've written about it. No one else need ever do it. <laughs> the Spanish version has a different title. It's called La Tumba de las Muertas Vivientes, which is Tomb of the Living Dead. The French version actually was called L'Abîme des Morts Vivantes, which is The Abyss of the Living Dead. It's only the English-language version that's called Oasis, but the English-language version is basically the French version retitled. As far as its reason for attracting the attention of the police or the courts, it's purely to do with the zombie thing. Uh, that, I mean, this time, really, we can say for certain, I'm sure, that there's nothing that could really justify putting this film on, on a list uh, of video nasties in terms of content. It's purely going to be that some police officer has had the word zombie branded into his imagination, and as soon as he saw it on a video shelf, he just plucked the title down and probably didn't even look at the front. You believe in zombies? <laughs> <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> <laughs> the living, the dead. Oh, God's sake, where's the oasis? God's sake, where's the oasis?
and welcome back ladies and gents you've just heard the trailer for Oasis of the Zombies original title La Tumba de los Muertos Vivientes that's right I don't know um, <laughs> it's uh, directed by uh, a little guy called Jesus Franco big Jess Franco who also did the screenplay adapted from Ramon Lillo's story um, it stars a lot of foreign folk, Manuel Gellin, Eduardo Ferrero, um, Franz Lomi, I, I don't know, I sounded like I was clearing my throat but I wasn't, uh, Jeff Montgomery, <laughs> Lena Romi, Miriam Lanson, Antonio Mayans, Javier Mies, Mayes, Mies, Mayes, um, and a lot of, fuck it, a lot of other folk. Um, synopsis for this one though, is listed on the IMDb is... And this is it makes it sound a lot more interesting than it is. An expedition searching for treasure supposedly buried by the German army in the African desert during World War II comes up against an army of Nazi zombies guarding the fortune. Um, I'll kick us off with this one, Mark. I I, I don't know. I was kind of getting a. I was I was interested to see this one. You mentioned earlier on that it is you know with Franco you his movies all have a quality about them regardless whether they're good or not there's always a quality about them that you never really know what you're going to get and the guy could direct like that's the there are there are Franco movies that even if the story is boring um and the acting is laughable with the dialogue the, you know, the cinematography or the set design or something is kind of like, this is kind of fucking awesome. This movie, though, like I mentioned in the upfront, is kind of infamous and in it's and it's like and it's lore with cinephiles as being a movie that Franco himself just really could not give a fuck about. Wasn't really interested in directing. Um, and as a result... That's how it kind of feels. Uh, this movie to me is like lethargic. Isn't even really the way I would describe. This is maybe the most like non-plus zombie movie I think I've seen in a while. Where like yeah, there's zombies in it, and yeah, there's a story kind of in the background. But we are just going to painstakingly drag this out for the excruciating runtime of wait one second, only an hour and twenty minutes. Um, yeah. This movie felt like about four times the length, and part of that is the the kind of plodding pace. Part of it is the fact that the story itself is far more exciting than the actual movie. Um, kind of felt like I'd been missold uh, a, a plot here, and the score, which is this really cool kind of synthy sort of score. It has no pace behind it. It has none of that mania that you get with like a goblin score. There's no you're like, yes, let's fucking this is all just like boom. It's got one speed. Yeah. And that's sadly I think that's in part what slows down the movie. Like the movie doesn't have the quickest pace already, and then you have this score that plays through a huge portion of this movie, and it's kind of got one speed. And that speed's kind of slow. And as a result, it just really... It's, it's almost like art imitating, you know, life. 
uh, as opposed to life imitating art and that you know like the the kind of slow laborious pace of the zombie is basically the slow laborious pace of viewing this movie and like the the design of the zombies not that good to be honest um but especially by 82 standards like 82 like Fulci's already swinging and doing his thing even if you take Romero out of the equation Fulci's doing his thing I like the the googly eyed zombie <laughs> he's got, got the googs uh yeah he's got what we call rawhead rex eye she <laughs> <laughs> was like, he, he like if he was driving, he can check both left and right without turning his head at a junction. Um, so yeah, I just I don't know. Like, it's it's nowhere near as violent as it probably should be. Like for like a story dealing with like an undead Nazi army, I kind of feel like. Remember when we watched Zombie Lake? Yeah, which, which what, I never. It's this seems this this makes Zombie Lake look good by comparison, which yeah. is a sentence and I never thought I'd fucking say. But you think about the trivia of that movie was that Jess Franco didn't want to do that movie because it wasn't interesting enough for him, so Jean Roland had to direct it. And then I look at this and I'm like, it kind of sounds like you just made up an excuse not to do that movie, Jess Franco, because this is worse. This is more boring. And the yeah. Nazi zombies are like the least threatening thing I've ever fucking seen. It takes far too long for that kind of plot device to start really working its way through. Plus, this is like a, it's supposed to be a swashbuckling adventure to find buried treasure. And at no point could it be bothered about them finding buried treasure. I, like, I was within like 15 minutes of this movie, I'd kind of checked out. And it's not long, which is, you know, is it saving grace? But by God, does this feel longer than an hour and twenty-two minutes, which is its runtime listed here? Plus, there's nothing in it. Like this is the thing that really, really, really confused me watching this movie. Like I was trying to even picture my my head as a sensor at the time. This is now like it's certifi- certification in the UK, and for the last two decades, its certification in the UK has been a fifteen. You know what I mean? Right. So it's not it's not extreme gory graphic in any way, shape, or form to merit it being on a banned list. It's just as 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 like head scratching and puzzling that this even out with the fact that it has Nazi iconography potentially on the front cover, or it has Jess Franco, a guy who has a few movies already on the list. So if you were a censor, you were looking at it for his name, you maybe seize this one. But no one watched this movie and then put it, you know, put it forward to be banned because there's nothing in it. To merit that, it's just like a just like a painfully slow, boring movie, and like I say, I, I reserve my judgment on you for wanting to, because like like I say, this is not like there are worse movies that Frank was put his name to. Um, this is I would say just above average, and uh, the, the Franco filmography, which uh, hopefully quelled your your um, your desires to spend an inordinate amount of time going back through his catalogue. No, it definitely did. I, uh, this movie is this movie has I think a I think this movie has a pretty rad like first ten or fifteen minutes where I was like super on board. I'm like, all right, we get our our, our corny like girls for no reason whatsoever wandering in the woods and they get fucking eaten by zombies or whatever. And then yeah, it sets up to like what could have been a pretty rad like you said swashbuckling thing like mm-hmm. about finding fucking Nazi gold out in the desert and there's all these different like there's the 
crazy military guy that stabs his partner in the back and then there's like his his kids are all like it's it could have been like a really cool thing where these guys are all like racing out into the fucking wasteland to go find 60 million dollar or no it's like six million dollars in fucking nazi gold or whatever um and then i don't know what the fuck happens but like somewhere around like 20 or 30 minutes into this movie it all becomes this atrocious day for night shooting and i couldn't at least on the version i watched this on tubi uh just franco's name is actually not in the fucking credits on this version he's credited as like am right or something but this, this movie definitely like oozes fucking just franco's like i thought a lot about uh how we've talked about because this is like the third or fourth movie that's popped up on here i think and i thought a lot about what you said about how he would like just cut as many fucking corners as humanly possible mm-hmm. so that there'd be a little bit of the budget left over to shoot the next thing uh there is this is that's going on all over this thing and i find it kind of fascinating like just like what is the absolute fucking fastest and cheapest way to crank out a fucking movie <laughs> like this? Which the zombie subgenre is fucking full of movies like this. Or yeah, it's like that's I, I I think a lot of filmmakers get into stuff like you know get into making movies based on stuff like you know we talked a little bit about on the Night of the Living Dead episode, like mm-hmm. how bare bones that is and how that that's the that's the polar opposite of the spectrum that's that's how you do stuff on a shoestring budget really well this movie just franco clearly didn't give a fuck about doing any of this well like it is all it's it's all done badly and it's fascinating to see but uh yeah like i said about halfway into this the day for night shooting i'm just like i can't see a fucking thing that is going on on the screen and I'm watching it on a big, you know, 65-inch fucking 4K TV. It's streaming good. Like, I'm sure, you know, Tubi probably didn't go to great lengths to find, you know, a pristine copy of this fucking movie. But, like, I that's a big problem when I can't see anything that's happening on the fucking screen for over <laughs> half of this movie. I'm just like, well, I guess, you know, stuff happens. I can hear zombies, like, eating people, but I can't fucking see any of it, so doesn't really doesn't really matter and then it just ends like i don't even know i don't even know how this movie fucking ends i have no idea this this super lost me like at about the halfway mark um which is yeah kind of a shame this this could have been really good and uh yeah the zombie lake is fucking far superior to this and uh i don't know like how much that's to do with you know jean roland was like actually cared about you know being able to see what's going on on the fucking screen not like you know sometimes just franco not so much this is like the fourth movie didn't we do like a nun movie what's the what's the what's the one with the nuns yeah popped did, up on the list like yeah we did the get, let me let me pull the list up because this is this is movie number four that like that we've covered on here this is like movie, zombie lake there's the frankenstein one and then there was a nun movie you're right um let me, the let me demons go. i think it's called that's it yes yes, yes the yes. demons yeah. the demons is like oh man if you put like that and oasis of the zombies like ne- next to each other you it, i don't even know if you could tell if they were directed by like the same fucking people or had anything to do with each other because yeah. it's such polar polar opposites and I, I kind of have a new appreciation for his weirdo fucking Frankenstein movie too. That was like his <laughs> like his want, wanting to be Andy Warhol doing a lot of fucking acid with European actors kind of deal. And 
uh yeah this this i don't know what the fuck happened a lot of the war footage in this seems like it was recycled from a different movie probably or was. maybe like they slightly edited this movie and released it as under a different title i'm sure there's some kind of that was probably in the back of franco's head a lot to you doing these it's like hmm, maybe we could recut this if it totally bombs and put it out as a different movie and nobody will ever know because the stock footage looks just as shitty as everything that i shot it all looks terrible <laughs> But, uh, yeah, uh, I, I would agree as far as, uh, like, uh, the content that got this banned, this is super fucking tame. There's yeah. hardly any boobs. Mm-hmm. There is not a lot of violence that I mm-hmm. can recall, at least that you can see or the shit. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with either they knew this is a Jess Branco movie and they already hated him because they had to sit through a bunch of his other movies. Or it had a swastika or something on the cover. I, like, the, nope, I think I think there's a because the, the like Franco. That's the other thing about trying to do a Franco only like podcast. Franco made a ton of movies under different names, um, like as a way to secure finances and also because he had deals with studios. So he would like sign up for like a five picture deal with a particular studio and then would, you know, he would get offered a movie during that with a different studio. He's like, ah, I don't want to be in breach of contract, so I'll just change my name to Frizus Janko. Um, <laughs> and I, I'll, I'll be I'll be fine. Um, but yeah, like he's got tons of movies under loads of different names and he's he's the guy who's famed for, you know, he would, he would get a... a a pot of money to make a movie and very in the Corbin uh, uh, the Cor- Corbin listen to me Corman school of thought you know what I mean he would make the first movie for cheaper and then get another movie made with the same set <laughs> like just you know, like right change your wig um, right you're a different character now uh, and he would do a ton of those but at least in those like there's just, I just don't get that this is just such a beige movie it's just so boring that all the eccentricities that you associate with uh, Jess Franco just aren't here, and yeah. like I said, it was 1982. So you you have, and this is uh, I know there are a lot of people out there, but like, well, he was making like 300, he's made 300 movies, and he made all these movies, so he was like a total gun for hire. Like the Italians were all gun for hire, you know, like like. Dolce in 82 wasn't calling his shots like Babe Ruth. He was like, he was still there. Like, during, like, if you look at Filchi's body of work, everyone remembers the Gates of Hell trilogy. What a lot of people don't know is he actually made another film during that time period called Black Cat because he was really interested in doing Poe stuff. So he did the Black Cat in between doing the Gates of Hell trilogy, but no one talks about that fucking movie. They just focus on the zombie work he was doing in these Gates of Hell trilogies. Like, that those directors were job bodies as well, but I'll tell you what, you sit down and you watch them, even if they look like they weren't necessarily interested in the plot or the acting, the movies still look fucking great. And this just feels cheap and boring. Um, so yeah, I've got nothing else to say about it except to say that on this show we do grading slightly differently. Instead of giving it a grade with a number or a letter, we instead uh, associate our grades with prison time um, so if this was an egregiously vicious movie one of those shockers pure pure terror infilled or you know, eye wince inducing sort of movies um, we would sit here and we would say that this movie deserves some hard time if the movie contained things that you know, certainly should put it 
on an interesting list of movies you might not want people to be spending a lot of time watching, then you might want to give this one a little bit of community service. Um, if it's the sort of movie that, you know, maybe dips its toe in the pond of obscenity without plunging its dick in it, then, you know, you probably want to give it a little slap on the wrists. And if there was nothing in it to merit its place on the list at all, you would do the old case dismissed. This to me is the very definition of a case dismissed. Ain't nothing in it. Mark, what about yourself? Uh, th this is getting a very unique case dismissed. If I if I'm Mr. Mr. Sensor guy sitting at the at the desk and you know distributor guy, you know that Franco works for us sitting across, I'm gonna say, I'm not gonna ban your movie, but you got to take it back to the fucking lab where you had all the fucking color correction and shit done and get it redone so I can actually see what the fuck is going on in this yeah. movie. Yeah, take it back to the lab. <laughs> Right, ladies and gents, that's our first review of this episode. We're now going off to a, another movie which doesn't have a huge amount to talk about it, um, except bad wiring. That's that's my that's my key to the whole description of this movie coming up is get your wiring looked at, and that is not a sexual innuendo. That means like, spend some time getting the electrician in and make sure that your house is wired correctly. Um, we're going to be discussing the evil from 1978 before we get to that you will hear people talking i can't imagine it's not someone like a stephen thrower um it kind of feels like this is the sort of movie he's going to be discussing or maybe a kim newman you never fucking tell anyway anyway before i get the sidetracked you're going to hear them talk about this movie you're then going to hear the trailer for the evil when we return myself and mark ball discussing this movie right after this gus draconis's 1978 the evil is a wham bam thank you man haunted house movie which is a kind of precursor to the popular films like The Amateur Horror and The Changeling from the late 70s and early 80s. It stars Richard Krenner as a psychiatrist and his wife, Joanna Pettit, who um, buy a massive, sprawling haunted mansion, obviously they don't know it's haunted at the time, and they take a mixture of um, his students and also his, some of his old psychiatry patients to, to do it up. And of course, it sounds like it's going to be a slash movie if you get all these people into a like, haunted house, but what it actually turns into is they get basically trapped there overnight, they can't get out, and they get attacked. It's almost, again, a precursor to the films like Fortune's The Beyond, um, where you have a gateway over hell. The film starts off in quite a kind of, um, it's quite scary to start off, but it gets sillier and sillier and sillier until it reaches the apex of silliness, which is when you find out that you've actually got a gateway to hell and the devil is in the basement and the devil is no one else but um, Victor Borneo, who is a fat um, devil in a white suit, which is a very strange payoff for any kind of movie. Um, but I kind of guess this is the 1970s and, and this is what you got when you had too, too many drugs and made horror movies. And the director, of course, also did Swinging Barmaids with Diane Thorne, who was, of course, notoriously was Ilsa uh, in the Ilsa films, and also Moonshine County Express with Claudia Jennings Nobody as well. Nobody ever suspected what ancient terror slept beneath the Vargas house. Disturb not he who is here held in chains. This house 
the time you run, there is no escape. When you think you're free, you might be dead. By the time you learn the truth, you can't do this! It may be too late. Joanna Pettit, Victor Blumler, The Evil, a new world picture. And welcome back ladies and gents, you've just heard the trailer for The Evil, <laughs> the most generic fucking name for a horror movie ever. The, you know what I mean? Like The Evil. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, Gra- Grandpa Simpson in the Treehouse of Horror episode where he talked about the, the evil Krusty doll. Yeah. That doll is evil, I tells you. Yep. Evil. Evil. Um, yeah, this one Grandpa, is... you said that about all the presents. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just want attention. <laughs> this one is directed by Gus Traconis, which well, I think I cracked the joke before. I'm going to crack it again. does sound like a Harry Potter. Like, like wizard. This sounds like a venereal disease. Uh, Gus Traconis sounds like the thing you used to defend a Dementor. I mean, Gus <laughs> Draconis! <laughs> like, uh, is, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't fucking know. Uh, apparently, this guy um, became a bit of a, a kind of job body director um, afterwards. He does have. <laughs> oh, man. I need to stop myself. Uh, he does have a movie um, <laughs> from 1975 called Supercock. Um, <laughs> which was my nickname in high school uh, <laughs> oh come on for obvious in reasons. high school in high school yeah could do magic tricks Mark um, <laughs> could pick locks um, so... <laughs> I could uh, pick I up myself. my hat off the ground yeah, I, I hate myself right now um, apparently originally uh, a dancer um, but became a you know, because he was in West Side Story, um, and then would eventually become a kind of a director. Um, I love the IMDb where he says was a very efficient and underrated director of delightfully down and dirty seventy drive-in low-budget exploitation fear. Okay, then you can't just you can't just declare yourself that you gotta earn that it's, fucking title. I think that's this, the this internet does dude. not do that. I think you can do that on the internet. I think I'd like just like see how just a couple of seconds ago I said my dick could pick love. <laughs> that's that's out there now. It's on the internet, which means it's fact. I think you can just do that. Um, alternative facts is what I believe we call those things. Uh, screenplay yep. uh, was kind of worked on by himself based on the story by David Sheldon and also screenplay works by Galen Thompson. Uh, the movie itself stars Richard Crenna. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, Jonah Petit, Andrew Prine, Cassie Yates, George O'Hanlon Jr., Lynn Moody, Mary Louise Weller, Robert Vahelo, uh Victor Bono, uh, Milton Selzer, Ed Beakey, Galen Thompson, and Emery Souza. I had no idea there was that many people in this fucking movie. I, I think a lot, well, 
Yeah. I watched this a week ago, so my memory's a little hazy, but I'm like, holy shit, was there that many fucking characters in this thing? There's a few, yeah. (laughs) There's a few. Um, Yeah. um, A synopsis for this one is a doctor buys a Civil War-era dilapidated mansion and hires a few friends to fix it up, but the mansion hides a deadly secret. That deadly secret is faulty wiring. Um, so I'm gonna keep coming back to the faulty wiring. Um, yeah, this is a haunted house movie, which doesn't surprise me by like 78. I mean, what well, we're one, two years removed from Amityville. Yep, this so, is super duper an Amityville knockoff, kind of. Yeah, kind of is. You know, what I mean, the house is two seconds away from saying get out. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I. I the problem with this movie is it's kind of fucking cheesy, right? It's kind of cheesy, kind of fucking boring, um, and it ticks off about every single cliche that was already a cliche by 1978. So, like, it's acted a little bit too over the top. Like, everyone thinks they're in a total serious, serious movie when they really aren't. Um, there's a lot of Star Wars shaky cam. <laughs> not Star Wars, Star Trek shaky cam yeah. like, oh, yeah. we've, we've just been hit by a rocket like everyone follow Tilt one side <laughs> yeah, and they were right, oh. right. Um, do the and, Shatner dance where you wave your arms around good god um, <laughs> and uh, yeah I, I don't know like, like I had seen it before and I want to think I've seen I think I may have seen this on VHS so I think this might have been a rental way back in the day um, mostly because the cover work is kind of amazing, you know, it looks like, you know, like weird shit is like flying out the box from Indiana Jones, um, you know, like before it ends up in the, the, the office of the Pentagon at the end, um, but none of this is, none of this is really great, and I think that's maybe my issue with it, it has a surprisingly high body count for a haunted house movie, I think there's about 8 or 9 people die in this movie um, right. including the caretaker at the start who burns alive Mark, he's burned I'm not I'm not dead, I'm just very badly burned I forget, um, how does he get burnt, is he like down in the basement <laughs> fucking around with the wiring or wait something wait one second, you can't say that Like, forget, wait a second Nick Cage how did he, how did he get burned how did he get, get burned, burned? Um, he's like fucking around downstairs and like gets thrust into an incinerator as you do um, and it's the house that did it and then I'm like how long has this guy been a caretaker here and then all of a sudden the ghost <laughs> just decides to throw him in the incinerator Surely, I remember my first day when I got burnt <laughs> alive by the fucking crematorium in the bottom of this weird house why, why, why did the, the fucking the devil or demon in this movie just decide to do it this day I don't know anyway there's a lot of people end up like investigating the house it's all very boring um, there is a, like the deaths the thing about it is the deaths are kinda amazing um, and this and that they're so over the top and uh, a dog at one point just loses his shit once again Amityville um, dog loses his shit runs 
runs along and uh, like just takes out a woman, just like fucking like fucking cross bodies this woman um, off the top of a balcony, plummeting them both to their death, which did make me laugh because the dog in Amityville hangs itself um, rather than be in that movie as well. So that's, that's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm really struggling to find like a like a huge amount of enthusiasm for this movie because it did and like I say it's just like very much a paint by numbers sort of movie not a like the thing about it is it's not totally unentertaining because all the stuff that people are getting like there's a scene where a guy with a kind of a very kind of almost Tom Selleck moustache gets attacked by some wires from the ceiling and it kind of, I started laughing more than I should have because it reminded me of that Austin Powers death where the guys in the long corridor going, ah, and then the camera zooms out and you see that the steamroller that's going to knock him over <laughs> like about a hundred meters away and it's going to take a time to get to him. Well, this guy, that scene lasts for about two minutes of him shouting at these cables that are falling from the ceiling nowhere near him and then slowly work their way around him to slowly electrocute him. Um... And that did make me laugh quite a bit. And then there's just a lot of other people. And then it, it like it has a batshit ending that just like feels like a reshoot. Like that, someone was like, "No, we need to do it. like the, the end of this movie." Like has the devil who appears in a white suit, um, and that's just like looks kind of like Colonel Sanders. Really does look like Colonel Sanders, and that's because the actor's name is Victor Bono, um, who. <laughs> Uh, I believe this is like one of these kind of infamous cameo things. Um, this guy, uh, very campy. I, I believe he was gay, uh, but he's very, very campy. Played a lot of, he was in a lot of TV villain roles. Um, and that's maybe how he's kind of more commonly known, um, if you know what I mean. Uh, like, even he's like snap on the. <laughs> <laughs> Even his snap on the IMDb is him dressed like a pharaoh, um, which kind of I just get the feeling that's how he dressed. Um, like, <laughs> At home, you know, on his off days, he's just got his like. Okay. But he did a lot. He played a lot of villains in TV things like Perry Mason and you know that sort of thing. Like you know the, I think that's maybe where. I d like when I saw him, I just kind of felt very TV movie reveal, and he's like, "Ah, I'm the devil," and you're like, "All right, you are okay, awesome, um, <laughs> right?" And it, ju it just the ending is just kind of head scratchingly tagged on, and as a result, my kind of overriding feeling of this movie is, it's it, I mean, it's entertaining. I'll never watch it again, again, if you know what I mean. Uh, it's entertaining, but it is. The movies that it's kind of influenced by, <coughs> ripping off, um, the movies that it's kind of influenced by are just infinitely better than this. Like, not even to the point where it's putting its own spin in a... Like, you get, like, without, like, like totally gobbling the balls of Italian horror movies, which I really want to do. Um, you know, when they ripped off something, there was always a kind of, well, they went there, though. Or they put one element on it, you were like, I can't, I can't believe I'm watching this. 
complete Jaws ripoff here, which you've managed to put a cyborg in. You know, like, it's always like they would marry things that shouldn't be together in movies, in movies, and that's kind of the reason you would remember them or watch them again. And this one is just very much a... Oh, well, they did this in House on a Haunted Hill, so that needs to be in here. Oh, they did this in... Um, you know Amityville so that needs to be in here so it's very much a kind of box ticking exercise with kind of TV era acting and not great cinematography and as a result you get to the end of it and that's a movie you've seen it's one you can tick off the list but not one you're rushing back to check out how did, how did you get on with this one? Uh, like I said, I watched this last weekend. I think I must have been in a really good mood when I watched this because I was very forgiving on my letterbox review. And I think I said this was like, this is, this is a perfectly adequate haunted house movie. This doesn't really, this, this doesn't, this doesn't really sway like either way, like really good or really bad. This is, this is very middle of the road. Yeah. Um, I don't I think do you're kinda... wrong on that. I don't think you're I think you I think that's the right approach. I think this is a very as seventies haunted house movies go, I think this is middle of the road. I don't think it's bad. I think this is a middle of the road movie. I think so you're probably uh, probably more on the nose than you think you are. It it'd be is this would be a good lazy like Sunday, like I don't know what else to watch, so I'm just gonna throw this on kind of thing. You're it's like, a it's, perfect it's not... hangover movie because you like yeah. drift in and out of like your kind of hangover stupor and not really need to remember anything about what's happening on the screen you don't have to nope. wait long to see someone get electrocuted yeah or or yeah there's, there's a couple burns in this movie that are pretty cool I, I i liked when they are trying to the dude gets like a circular saw and is trying to cut through the fucking door and yep. just like absent-mindedly just runs it right over his fucking hand and cuts off most of his fucking hand mm -hmm. Uh, that 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 kind of took me by surprise. There's a couple. They did this like, on fire outside bits. the building, and I kind of the the dude that's kind of hung outside the building and on fire because he some reason tried to climb up an electric cable. <laughs> you know, like, after everyone else has died of electricity in this movie, he thought that was a good idea. Um, like that's a real actor. That's not a dummy. That's a real stunt man on fire, holding on to a rope for what 10 seconds before he drops to let himself down and those effects are really fucking good because they're real that's a real stunt man doing that so nope. and I, it's I, it's a type of burn that i i can't really think of uh happening you know you know, we, we, we've seen it a zillion fucking times and probably yeah. a good chunk of them are played by the the same stunt guys i can't think of another movie where a dude's like hanging out off a, out of a second story fucking window from no, a rope and you use it you that's what i'm saying you use a you use a dummy and that sort of thing. So that in itself, like I say, like the deaths are fun. They're fun deaths in this movie. It's just all the stuff in between where they're trying to crack the mystery. And I'm like, this is not a Scooby-Doo episode. Yeah, it, it, it brings the pacing to kind of a halt. I, none of these characters are really all that memorable either. That's that's why, like, yeah, when you're reading off the cast, I was like, I don't fucking remember there being this many. <laughs> I remember the, the, the chick who discovers the book and, like, the... The, the ghost story you know it's 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 it reminded me of the fog a lot too kind of you know discovering blake's fucking curse and all that uh the rest of the characters in this are pretty pretty uh <laughs> pretty disposable i don't yeah. remember anything that really stands out about any of them they're just kind of people that happen to be in this movie for some fucking reason 
but uh yeah that's that's kind of where i said with this one this is very this is very middle of the road this didn't this didn't offend me good good sunday lazy hangover kind of movie uh adequate haunted house movie i usually don't really like we've we've seen this shit i'm gonna say something kind of controversial i think the original amityville is a boring fucking movie it's not uh, yeah i'm i'm don't think that's necessary i think me and you are maybe we're pretty much on point i remember doing it for the summer series and like some of the <laughs> not to throw shade some of the older podcasters that were on that series were all like yeah it's an iconic piece of like it's kind of slow <laughs> it's kind of slow kind of takes a bit of, a bit of time to get somewhere and it doesn't have ryan reynolds rippling abs in the remake which by god <laughs> i eat some sushi off those bad boys if you know what i mean <laughs> this, is, this is very true it, Am- amityville can be both it can be iconic and also aged horribly yeah. by today's standards because yeah, yeah i've tried it's, to Amityville. it's the sort of movie that when the priest goes into that room and it goes get out and i'm like that right fine switch off uh Oh, oh, you're speaking to the priest and not me as the viewer. Okay, I'll switch it back on then. Um, uh, yeah, it's that sort of movie. I'm not, I, I'm not like, the, the, the problem with haunted house movies in general is I think the, very much like the Exorcist thing, there are maybe one or two exceptional examples of how to do it and everything else is either ripping that off or trying to reinvent the wheel and neither way really works. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's evil. You can. It's it's streaming on Shutter right now. It's it's a really nice print that's out yeah. there. Like I said, it's I if you got nothing else to watch. This, I think it's a Screen Factory print. Screen Factory put it out, so it's not difficult to get your hands on. It's just, I would say watch it, but I think it's a one and done. You know what I mean? I, th- yeah. I can't. I can't. I'd be very surprised if I heard anyone do like a. Here are my top five haunted house movies at number three: The Evil. I'd be kind of like, mm. <laughs> like, I don't think I should be listening to you. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's let's talk about grades for this one then. Where are you where are you coming in with this one? Because once again, there's some deaths in this, but nothing's gratuitous here either. I'm I'm really tempted to case dismiss this one. Mm-hmm. There's really this is this is pretty tame. I, I feel like you could show this to like a fucking 10, 11, 12 year old somewhere out in there, and they'd be fine with this. There's nothing really. It's nothing super late, and you. What's what's funny is usually the animal violence is what really gets me in a lot of these movies. I barely remember the fucking dog dying in this movie. <laughs> that's a, that's how not not offensive. It, I'm it, fairly it kind sure of the dog. This is another detail. I want to go back and check this. I'm fairly sure the dog when it's it's doing the snarly growl thing and it runs. I'm sure that when the dog hits the woman, the Wilhelm screaming place. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost sure they gave the dog the Wilhelm scream, which does make me <laughs> smile quite a bit. Um, yeah, I'm, no, I, this is a total case dismissed to me. Like, there's there was again, there's no, there's no overt violence or anything, and because it's all, and I've, I've said this before, because I'm one of these guys that when it's perpetrated by supernatural purposes, that instantly removes it from the realm of realism for me. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I can't think, I can't imagine anyone went away from this saying, "I must kill my family in the same manner as the ghost." Um, I just can't see that. So yeah, uh, this is a total case dismissed from this guy as well. Ladies and gents, there you go. I told you we'd fly through this. We've got two uh, movies, two and nims coming up. One of them, 
Uh, should be addressed. The other one, like, be prepared to hear Mark jizz on a podcast. Uh, right, we're going to do that, though, right after this. This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, legionpodcasts.com, the Psychosemantic Podcast. And welcome back. So you've been listening to Doing the Nasty Podcast. This has been season two, episode 29, covering the evil and oasis of the zombies. In three weeks, four weeks time, in or around that three, four weeks time, myself and Mark Ball will be sitting down doing another two movies. The first one, we'll be turning the clock back to 1972. That's right. And we will be covering a movie that seems like it, it should be, I don't know, it should star Bruce Lee, but it doesn't. Um, and also accurately describes a one night stand that I once had. The movie is called Enter the Devil. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's directed by Frank Q. Dobbs. His surname is Dobbs. His middle name is Q. Apparently. Um, who looks like he did not a lot of directing. A couple of movies here, all of which, in fact, he even did like stuff up to the 2000s, interestingly enough. But it, it kind of all looks not great. Um, anyway, let's give you some details on this one. Uh, somewhere in southwest Texas, yeehaw, ah, I did the yeehaw in there, uh, where a Christian cult is said to have resided in the past, a deputy sheriff investigates a number of suspicious deaths. I mean, that's all we need to know, really. Oh, it's a seven, 72 and already calling out the Christian cults in Texas, no less. This, maybe this movie is ahead of its time a little bit. Um, let's see. Uh, it holds a surprisingly strong 5 out of 10 on the IMDb. And, uh, uh, yeah, it doesn't have... And its runtime's an hour and 15 minutes. You have me in. Oh, I'm so happy right now. Hour and 15 minutes. It is a PG, though. <laughs> which makes me wonder why it was on the list. <laughs> yep, uh, we'll find out, I guess. Um, we will be twinning that with a movie from 1979 by a first-time director who some people would say at his cocky, very, very young age, delivered the goods. We will be doing a movie which uh, personified the, the phrase, boy, we'll be doing Phantasm. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I haven't seen Phantasm in a while. I'm definitely due for, due for a rewatch. Fuck yes. yeah. Yes, Phantasm is our second movie once again, a movie that makes me wonder what was going on with censorship in the UK. Uh, like, why you would want to censor, ban anything related to Phantasm just makes me upset with you as a human being. Um, yeah, so we're going to be doing Enter the Devil and Phantasm in a couple of weeks' time. Until then, though, Mark, you're a busy guy. You're doing things. You're out there gigging, living the, the rock star life, doing all that cool shit. Uh, where can people check out your your works, your wares, your stuffs on socials, your album. We can we can check it out. Uh, so the the album, uh, if you want to download for it, it's like two bucks or name your own price. It's on Bandcamp. The album is called Jinxed. 
Uh, if you just search, just search me by artist, it's fancy mark. It's on there. Uh, a lot of you, thank you to everybody that's checked it out already. I really, really appreciate it. That's been a, a big motivator to keep doing it. Uh, it is also on streaming music or on, on streaming platforms. Uh, it's for sure on Spotify and I'm pretty sure on Apple music as well. Uh, streams and follows and all that crap. I always, always appreciate it over there. Uh, depending on how soon this album comes out, if you happen to be in the area of Billings, Montana, uh, about June 11th, which is next Saturday, I'm pretty sure, uh, come see me play at Kirk's. It's going to be a completely different show. I wouldn't say completely. I, I <clears throat> re- reworked the set a little bit so that it should run a little bit smoother, but <clears throat> will will be a slightly different show than the, the Rapid City one, so... Uh, yeah, okay, come on, check me out. Follow me on all that stuff. I plan on writing some more music before the end of the year. I've got some ideas for, like, you know, a couple singles and maybe, like, another album to try and get out before Halloween-ish. But, uh, yeah, that's that's been... Uh, that, that's That's been the majority of what my creative time has been going to. This new job has just been absolutely whipping my ass, and I work, like, 60-hour weeks right now, so... Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely come support my music. I, I would love to, uh, you know, keep, keep keep doing that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I don't expect to get rich off of it or be able to, you know, quit my job and just play music or whatever anytime soon. But it is always nice, you know, when somebody kicks, kicks you a couple bucks for your your artistic endeavors. And I, I spent a lot of fucking time on that album. So hopefully uh, it shows and people people seem to like it, like it quite a bit so far. Um. Yeah. I've, other than that, I haven't been on like any podcasts in a while. We're, we're getting ready, to get gearing up for the summer series. <laughs> it's going to start recording here pretty soon. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. It's my favorite time of the year. <laughs> and like, it seems slightly easier than usual. Well, let me put it this way: I have way less shit to rewatch for this this summer series yeah. than I usually do. And, I don't and, know if your on, job is necessarily going to be easier. On paper, yes, this should be a lot easier. I get a feeling that some of it will be, and some of it is going to be a, a like a twisted nut. You know, like a, a testicle that's like twisted the way it shouldn't. Uh, that's the pain it's going to feel like, and we'll, we'll get to it. But yeah, you are right. It's, it's imminent. Where like uh, the first episode doesn't drop in towards the end of July, but whilst that seems a long way away, the recording will be starting up in the next couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, that is always the the bit that 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 I enjoy getting to. But until the last show in the series is actually out. I will be stressing about it because that's what I do. Um, so yeah, Mark will be on two of those episodes and uh, I'm very much looking forward to the shenanigans that come with that. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. Yes. All right, ladies and gents. I am going to take my leave of you with Mark leaving as well because I'm not just going to leave him hanging around going, Duncan, where are you? Uh, <laughs> Hello. <laughs> we will be back in a couple of weeks' time, though, for Enter the Devil and Phantasm on the 30th episode of this season two of Doing the Nasty. Until then, wherever you are, have a good one, and we'll speak to you real fucking soon. They were called nasties, and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well.
an extravaganza of gory violence capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, Mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.